Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host today, as always on this wonderful history podcast. Today I want to venture into a subject that I've touched on a few times in the past in various episodes and even with a few guests along the way, but I've never dedicated a specific episode to the subject matter, and that is of the Mound Builders. There's not a lot of information written about the Mound Builders and who they were, because archaeologists even today are only speculating on who these people were and when they actually lived in this region. But there has been a lot of evidence over the many hundreds of years of settlement in southwest Michigan that the Mound Builders were an ancient people that lived in this region. So I'm going to read you a few different references today on research done about the Mound Builders, not only in southwest Michigan, but some other parts of the United States. So come along and join me. Now, the term Mound Builder is a collective term that has been used for a pre-Columbian culture in North America. But the term itself has really no formal meaning as in terms of who those people were and if they were a collection of different tribes or different uh, ethnic people in the region. There's really not a lot known. So it doesn't refer to a specific people or archaeological culture, but refers to the characteristic of mound earthworks that some form of indigenous people erected for extended periods of more than 5,000 years ago in the United States. Now, there is evidence of the mound builder cultures, if you want to call it that, that span a period of roughly 3,500 BCE to the 16th century. And there is evidence of the mound builders in the Great Lakes region, the Ohio River Valley, and the Mississippi region. Those are the three most common. There's some in Illinois and Louisiana as well. Well, Louisiana is essentially part of the Mississippi region. But uh, now some of these mounds are much larger in other parts of the country. There's one known as Monk's Mound over in Collinsville, Illinois, which they estimate was built somewhere between 950 to 1100 BCE. And it is the largest pre-Columbian earthwork in America. And in 1988, there was a calculation done on the size of that mound, and it was estimated to be about 100 feet high and 955 feet long. And it included like an access ramp going up the backside of it that was 775 feet long or wide. And Monk's Mound roughly is the same size as the base at the Great Pyramid in Giza. So you can get an idea how big this thing was. So it's almost as if this mound is a earthen pyramid with a flat top on it, is what it looks like in the photograph. But unlike the Egyptian pyramids, the mound there was built from almost entirely of basket transports of soil and clay in its construction. And it could be the flattened top over the years was made that way from rainwater or just slumping or uh, 
deterioration of the soil over the years, or maybe it was originally designed that way. And at that mound in 1864, the first archaeological dig or investigation was done on the site, and they dug a tunnel into it and removed some artifacts to see if they could identify some of the... Uh, earlier people that may have built it. And there have been many archaeological investigations into the mound since then. One of the biggest took place in 1960. And that mound, Monk's Mound, is part of the Cahokia Mounds State Historic Site over in Illinois. And there's apparently a few other mounds in that park. And there's been a lot of archaeological research done on that mound, and they found a few artifacts. From what I was able to determine, I, I haven't... Uh, identified specifically what they found, but they did find different core samples of soil that indicated it was built over a period of different times. But I would imagine they found also artifacts like pottery and maybe tools, remnants of tools and that sort of thing within the mound. But going back to the mound builders in southwest Michigan, Kalamazoo has a mound that is part of one of the city parks there, Bronson Park. And there was an article written in 2021 by Michigan Live, and they covered the story that there was a presentation done at, at the Kalamazoo City Commission about uh, ground-penetrating radar that was done on the mound at Bronson Park. And the investigation around the base of that mound, there appeared, according to the radar, to represent that the structure at one time had a series of large posts built in a circle before the mound was built. And that was according to David Brose, who was a PhD, who was involved in that investigation. And the mound itself had been built to commemorate some ceremonial activities that had taken place either in or around or some sort of circular structure was what the conclusion was. Which all sounds sort of vague, like they weren't sure if it was a burial mound or if it was a monument to something or maybe it was some sort of ceremonial structure that has sunken, uh, is what I understood from reading the article. And the mound itself is located in the park in the center of Kalamazoo's downtown, and it's located at the southeast corner of Bronson Park near the stage and the intersection of South Park and West Park Streets. If So if you're going to investigate Bronson Park and look for it, that's where it is, and it looks like it's basically landscaped with a flower bed on top of it now, and it's roped off a little bit with, uh, it's not really roped off, it's circular uh, marked with some landscaping stone so that you can't go climb up on top of it, not without disturbing the landscaping of the flower beds that are there. Now, according to David Brose, who is a research associate at the University of Michigan, who was involved in this little archaeological investigation, and he has a doctorate in philosophy and prehistoric archaeology. He said that there was no evidence of burials taking place that was found in their investigation. And he says in this article that the mound was estimated to be about a thousand years old. So best estimation, he was indicating that it was essentially some sort of a ceremonial site based on what they determined from the ground-penetrating radar investigation into it. But the mound has been investigated by people, and it's intrigued people for many, many years. The earliest excavation known was in 1832, which would have been right around the time settlers began arriving in the Kalamazoo area. 
And for a time, the mound itself was used as a root cellar, uh, storing potatoes and other things to feed the prisoners in the local jail as part of downtown. So they had dug a hole or excavated a hole into it. And, you know, what they found when they excavated it, um, I'm not sure. I wasn't able to find an exact reference to when they excavated it. Uh, it was just referred to in this Michigan Live article that that was what was known historically. So there's probably some historians in the Kalamazoo area that have a little bit more write-ups on that particular excavation from 1832. Maybe somebody recorded it in a biography of some sort. Now, I haven't been over to Bronson Park in a couple of years, so I was told by someone that they have it fenced off now. Um, so that could very well be when you go visit that there's a fence around it. Uh, there's a photo in this article from 2019 that they had a construction fence around it so that the landscapers would uh, leave it alone. But um, anyways, if you want to investigate that over in Kalamazoo, it's easy enough to find in Bronson Park. Now, there is another reference that I found on the mound builders from a history of Calhoun County. Now, I do know the location roughly of one of the mounds that had been here um, because I researched a story on a man that owned the land, and there was a reference to his being told by the Potawatomi to leave the mound alone, and he was found to be digging into it one day, and they came and basically uh, threatened him and scared him so bad that he moved back to Ohio for a few years. Uh, he did not want to mess with the Potawatomi on that subject. But it was on his land, and that was uh, that's actually part of the story of one of the new stories coming out in my book in March. But that location is just north of Gogwak Lake. But the book that I'm going to refer to that talks about the mound builders in a chapter is called History of Calhoun County. Now, there's a few different books that were written during that time period that was called History of Calhoun County. This was the one that is written and published by L.H. Everts and Company in 1877. And it can be found on the Library of the University of Michigan online if you want to search History of Calhoun County. And when you do that, you're going to come up with two or three different references. There's one by Washington Gardner that was written much later in 1904 or 1914, something like that. But this one was published in 1877. And on page 11 in chapter 3, it's entitled Ancient Fortifications, Mysterious People, the Indians of Calhoun. And then he goes into the, their position on the Black Hawk War and the Indian Trails and so forth. And I'm not going to get into the Black Hawk War in this episode uh, that's a subject for a whole nother episode, and, and I feel like I need to do more research on that before I'm ready to bring that story to you. But that is one on my list of future stories to talk about. But this chapter itself begins with talking about the mysterious people or ancient civilizations that came before, and he refers to them as the mound builders. And it says, Along the valleys of the Kalamazoo and St. Joseph rivers are found the remains of an ancient and long since departed people whom modern science, for want of a better name, has yclept the mound builders. Now, the word yclept is not commonly used today too much, but it was a, uh, it's a word that means essentially that was named or some naming something. Today we might say something like coined in place of using the word yclept. Moving on, the works of these unknown people are found throughout the entire United States, from the great copper regions of Lake Superior, where they once wrought and mined the mass copper, to the Everglades of Florida, 
where their shell mounds attest their presence, and from Maine southwesternly to the plains of Mexico. Their fortifications erected with mathematical skill and apparent knowledge of engineering are wonders yet unexplained by modern research and investigation. So that right there gives a much broader picture of what they knew about the mound builders or that there was the existence of them across the eastern United States for the most part in 1877. And he goes on to say the works of the Ohio and Mississippi valleys appear to be the earlier stages of the mechanical skill of people who, emigrating voluntarily or involuntarily to the plains of Mexico and the Yucatan and the highlands of Peru, carried on their art to grand achievement as the magnificent cities and, and temples of the former places and the archaeological wonders of the latter country fully and grandly attest. So they're speculating here that the mounds were their earliest attempts at making these sorts of things, whatever they were used for in this part of the country, and they progressively became better and larger and more technical as you head south, which is an interesting speculation on the history of the mounds or interesting observation from their point of view, which would explain why the mounds in this area were not quite as large as I mentioned of the one earlier in Illinois, which was 100 feet high. The mounds here were at best two to three feet high. They weren't huge. I mean, they were just like big humps of the earth, but they were obvious that they were mounds and they weren't a natural organic development of the soil. And they were often perfectly circular, so it was pretty obvious that this was a man-made creation of some sort. And the article continues, the question of who they were, whence they came, and whither and how they went is still as mysterious as when the Europeans first gazed upon their mounds, and persistent questioning of the Indians, who had been the lords of the country for hundreds of years, could gain no answering tradition of the builders thereof. But, Undaunted and undismayed, the research goes on, and here and there evidence slowly accumulates that will in the future give the dead back again to the living, and the now undeciphered riddle will be read by the works that some race has left behind. We have full faith that the Rosetta Stone will yet be found by some Champollion, who shall be able to open the seals and read the hitherto closed book. Calhoun County is not uninterested in this research, for she has within her borders the monuments of this race that give her a history reaching back before the First Crusade. For the possession of Jerusalem, Calhoun was an old country from whose borders a people numerous and peaceful had passed away leaving their memorials indeed for the pioneer of 1830 to wonder over, but nothing else to tell of their history now buried beneath the debris of ages. Along the Kalamazoo in Bedford Township, there are two or more fortifications ancient, but still visible, showing the peculiar culmination of triple breastworks, either circular or rectangular, with sally ports and roads and garden plats and access to the rear to the water supply. In Gogwak Lake, an ancient mound or Tomlinus projects bearing the characteristics of the same people of the Ohio and the Mississippi. Along the St. Joseph, in the southern part of the county, 
These remains are also found, some of which have been excavated and relics of the builders found. But no bones of men who raised the works, the soil being so porous that the material comprising the human framework perished quickly and completely. What they did find was flints, copper utensils, and implements scattered about the fortifications and mounds buried within, in which the trees, similar in variety and size of those of the surrounding forest, were growing when the first settlers came to the country, which fully attests to the age of the works to be all that it is claimed for. So that's a little fancy writing about the subject, but essentially the bit of excavation that they did do into these earthworks yielded that there were some copper instruments and utensils found, as well as flints. Uh, they didn't find any human bones, but there are references that the Potawatomi people believe those to be burial mounds. And they did tell the early settlers in the area that they were burial mounds and they should be left alone. And so whenever somebody would venture into excavating them, they would approach them as, hey, don't dig into that. And if they became uh, belligerent about, hey, I'm going to dig into it no matter what, then they would get angry and uh, fight with them about it. So they were very respectful of these mounds as burial mounds, even though they didn't know or have much to offer on the history of those people. Now, there's been speculation in a lot of the articles that I've researched that they may have been the Sauk people in this area. The Sauk were an ancient people that were kind of dying out or um, leaving the area when the French arrived. And the French encountered the Sauks. And we do have a lot of historical references to the old Sauk Trail here in Michigan. And there's a few towns over on the eastern side of the state in rivers that are named after Sauk language terms that I've covered in other episodes. So the Sauk people were here before the Potawatomi and before the Ottawa and the Miami people and all of the other tribes of Michigan. They were the oldest tribe in Michigan. And they disappeared around the 1600s, either migrating west or just dying off and uh, from illness brought by the French people. Now this article continues on a little bit more. He says the Indians of present day were the successors of the mound builders, but yet they possessed no traditions of them and roamed through the country and gazed upon the remains as they were from time to time excavated and turned out by the plowshare of the pioneer. So some of the early pioneers plowed over some of these mounds, not knowing exactly what they were. Now, near these mounds, there are often garden beds, and these can be also seen when excavations have been done, that they were areas that were made near the mounds, and some of them had remains of corn cultivation found when they were excavated. And it goes on in this article to say that the Indian successors of the mound builders left no permanent remains to tell of their occupancy of the soil except their garden beds, where the squaws cultivated corn while their lazy lords lolled in their teepees. So there's a bit of a condescending tone to the writers of this historical reference here. And I'm just reading what is written there. Um, they also mentioned that the Indians roamed over Calhoun when the first pioneers came, and they were primarily the Potawatomi people principally, but there were a few Ottawa people in the area. And the Ottawas were commonly called the Toas or and Chippewa. 
But in essence, the Native Americans that were here were more nomadic. Uh, the Potawatomi and the Ottawa were nomadic. They moved around the region based on the season. Whereas the mound builders to build these types of earthen structures were more of a uh, permanent settlement type people that were in the area based on what was written here in this article from 1877. And that was why they were determined to be different from the Potawatomi and from the Ottawa. And when they would ask the, the Potawatomis and the Ottawas, they said they didn't know who they were. They, didn't, they were not connected to them. They were not their ancestors. And I did an interview with uh, the cultural uh, representative from the NHPP earlier this year, and I asked him about the mound builders. He said they, they were probably burial mounds was his speculation. Um, they didn't really have much knowledge of them other than that they were something that should be regarded as something sacred very much like we would regard a cemetery in our time. Now, historically, where do we get the idea that these were burial mounds? Well, between 1540 and 1542, Hernando de Soto, the Spanish conquistador, who traveled the southeastern United States as one of the early explorers, when he encountered many of the different people, it is believed that he encountered the mound builder peoples in that area or the descendants of them of that great Mississippian culture. And DeSoto observed these people living in fortified towns with these lofty mounds and plazas, and he surmised that many of the mounds served as foundations for priestly temples. And there was one that was near present-day Augusta, Georgia, that DeSoto encountered a group that were ruled by a queen, and she told them that the mounds within her territory served as burial places for nobles. So there are illustrations, if you look online, for some of these mounds or mound builders that were found during that time and who they were based on DeSoto's writings. And there's also some illustrations that were drawn during the French period where they observe a burial ceremony and the Native American chief that was being buried was buried in a earthen mound. And this was uh, an illustration by one of the Jesuits, LePage, who was a French explorer. And this was observed somewhere in the Mississippian Valley. So that's where we get the connected history or the early references to these being more than just earthen mounds, that they may have been burial mounds of prominent people within the tribe or uh, group of people that this civilization uh, represented. But nonetheless, it has been a fascination by archaeologists, even in present day, to find some clues to who these people were. And there's a lot of theories and speculation. There's been some artifacts found over the years. Um, and of course, they're found all over the eastern United States. There's all There's been some found out in um, other parts of the United States as well, like uh, in the western part. So it's basically, let's just say, so all over North America, there has been evidence of the different mounds and earthen structures built. Just looking on Wikipedia under mound builders, you can find a lot of information as well. There's a Grave Creek mound in Moundsville, West Virginia. Moundsville, West Virginia was named because of the mound builders. And that appears to be in a park in Moundsville. There is a park up in Wisconsin or Minnesota that is a national park. 
that is all about mounds. Um, I don't have it in front of me which one it is. And then there's, of course, the state park in Illinois that I mentioned earlier. But it's believed that the early Spanish and French explorers may have encountered the mound builder cultures back in the 1500s or maybe 1600s. And that was at the tail end of their existence as a people. Or maybe they migrated to South America and disappeared and, and relocated there. Or perhaps they migrated north up into Canada. Or it could have been that they died off from the diseases that were brought by the Europeans, like smallpox and influenza, that they had no natural immunity to defend against. And that is a known cause of death for a lot of the early indigenous people that uh, were affected by that, that were these diseases brought from the old world over into the new world, uh, which of course was a demise for a lot of the Native Americans in this part of North America. And some of the tribes received a greater impact than others in this time period. So it could very well be that the civilization of mound builders was infected with diseases from um, the Europeans that arrived, and maybe they all died off, or maybe they died off in such large numbers that the surviving core of the people migrated or merged in with other tribes out west or down in South America and so forth. So nevertheless, there's still a lot of myth and mystery around the subject of the mound builders. There's a lot of speculation, and I've offered some of that today in this episode. The earthen works, which have become known as the mound builders legacy in not only in Michigan but other parts of the country is something that is still fascinating today in the world of archaeology and it is evidence of the earliest people that lived in southwest Michigan even predating the Native Americans that were here when the European settlers arrived. So I hope you found some of the information I presented today interesting It's uh, always fascinating to find more references here and there, especially in the old writings of the histories of this region, to see a reference, because sometimes they will give pieces of information, like the copper tools references that were found when, that they mentioned in that 1877 history of Calhoun County, that they found within the excavation of some of these mounds, is kind of interesting. And it's not something that I've seen referred to many other places. So where those artifacts wound up and probably in some private collection or maybe it was in some kind of school or institute or maybe it's sitting in a archive somewhere at the Smithsonian for all we know. There's a lot of things stored at the Smithsonian that don't ever see the light of day too often, but they're cataloged and stored. So it could very well be that those artifacts from way back then are sitting there in Washington somewhere or in some museum's archives that uh, don't see a lot of uh, exposure to modern-day tourism. But that's going to conclude today's episode. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing about some of the details that I was able to find on the subject of the Mound Builders. If you found the episode interesting, please be sure to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on. If you're a Spotify listener, please be sure to share this with other people that you know that use the app. I'm trying to build up my Spotify listenership by the end of the year. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. There's a contact form on my website that you can send me a message through there. But also, if you do visit the website, check out my calendar of upcoming events for my book tour in 2024. 
That's going to be coming up sooner than we think. We're already in November now. And the first dates on my calendar after my book is released on March 11th um, are on that calendar list there. And there's some dates in March, April, and early May. And I'm working on some interesting projects right now. I'll see how they develop. I'm trying to do a true crime uh, two-hour symposium over in Jackson sometime in early April. And I made some contacts with some people on Friday about that, and we're kind of uh, molding the idea. I think I have at least one other author that's going to be part of that, and I've reached out to another half a dozen other ones that I've interviewed here on the podcast. So stay tuned, and I will make an announcement about that as it gets a little bit closer. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. 